Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, supporting individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities as they age. This podcast is excerpted from a webinar presented live on December 18th, 2019. In this podcast, Dr. Michelle Reynolds, the Associate Director of the Institute for Human Development at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, provides an overview of the principles of charting the life course as tools to provide care for individuals with IDD. I also want to share some information about really kind of understanding the types of support people with developmental disabilities receive. Statistically, we know that using the prevalence rate and using the number of people that we know that are actually receiving some form of state developmental disability services, we know that about only one in four people actually receive those services. There's many reasons why or why not they might receive those services. They might also be receiving other services, such as straight Medicaid, private insurance, special education, social security. They might also need services. But the reason we really came around thinking about a framework was, is we recognized that as we start thinking about policy changes, we can't just think about policy changes inside the disability community. We need to be thinking about policy and cultural changes about how we support a person with a developmental disabilities in terms of the policies within medical care, within housing, within transportation, within employment, recognizing that not everybody is going to receive some sort of paid services such as a personal care attendant, group homes, residential supports, employment supports. We also know that when we start actually looking at the long-term service system that we call the developmental disability system um, for people with disabilities, there's a lot of different demands that's happening. We recognize there's a, a higher demand for services. There's a lot of people being um, identified and in need. We also know there's a decrease in funding, whether it's federal, state, or local dollars. But at the same time, we're having um, staff crises. Our direct support professional crisis is, is really creating this um, need and gap and barrier for how we really think about supporting a person to have a good life. At the same time, we also know there are changing demographics in terms of people living longer, people with developmental disabilities aging much longer than we had in the years past. At the same time that these are all occurring, we know expectations for people and by people with developmental disabilities are changing. When we think about our past, we didn't always think about um, people's rights to be a part of their community, their rights to get married, their rights to have jobs. And so this new expectation is really changing the landscape of our policies and the way we deliver our services. We utilize these three circles to really visually help us to kind of think through how are we going to establish best practices and policies to really support a person with a developmental disability to really have the sort of access to all of their rights in this country. When we start thinking about ourselves without a disability, sometimes we, 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 we probably take for granted the fact that we, we have family and friends and we have roles within our community. If we look historically at the way that long-term services have been provided for people with disabilities, a lot of times un, unintentionally those services have become a barrier to relationships with families and friends. To, to roles in the community, such as getting married and, and getting a job and, and having your own um, family um, and participating in as a citizen. So what we're looking at is, is, is the circles on the right-hand side. How can we really look at each individual person? 
understand the context of their family, the people around them, the people they love, and the people that love them, as well as the roles that they have in the, in the community that they live in, not only where they live, but the roles within their social community and their faith-based communities. And how can we establish supports that don't become barriers to those relationships, but rather really integrate and support that person to, to continue those existing supports? All of this serves as the underlying foundation for the China Life Course Framework. The China Life Course Framework builds on, you know, 30, 40 years of the person-centered planning movement that evolved into really a person-centered thinking movement. And the idea is, is how do we move from more of a medical-focused model of really thinking about how do we fix this person to um, how are we thinking about what is the best support for that individual? moving away from sort of that larger congregate types of settings to more, you know, how can that person really achieve what they want in their life? So the Charting the Life Course framework kind of brings together and builds on that person-centered philosophy around how do we have this sort of guiding framework that really drives our understanding for problem-solving and thinking at many levels of transformation. But we also have person-centered practices so how do we engage with the person? How do we engage with their family or caregivers or the support team around them? How we interact with those and those that are providing those supports is a form of that person-centered philosophy. In addition to that, our accompanying set of tools that allow for person-centered planning to happen. And so those tools allow for education, they allow for brainstorming, exploring, and advocating. And so it's the combined thought around the cultural change, the practice change, as well as a set of visual tools that can really guide that practice. The China Life Course Framework started about six years ago, and what's happening across this country is, is we're starting to use it to really inform policy and practice change, working with legislators and policy change um, to really take that focus and take that lens and think differently about Medicaid, Medicaid waiver, how we deliver our services, how we're training professionals, but we're also utilizing it to really enhance the skills and knowledge of what I would call the end user or the target population. So how are we helping a person with a disability understand how to problem solve and navigate not only services but their life? How are we supporting their family members or their staff to also assist with that? At the heart of the framework is a core belief that all people and their families have the right to live, love, work, and play and pursue their life aspirations in their community. What started out as, a, as, a, as a, um, an initiative around developmental disabilities has expanded beyond that. We've utilized this framework and really are calling it a human-centric framework that can be used with anybody, regardless of a diagnosis or regardless of the life stage, whether you're getting services or not. The other thing that's important about our core beliefs is that we strongly believe that, that when we support a person with a developmental disability, whether it's in education, long-term services, whether it's in the medical setting, you're there really to help them really um, be able to have their full opportunity for their rights to, I always call it, it's really a civil rights movement. And how are we helping people have the voice, the, the decisional support to really achieve what they want in their life? So at the heart of the framework are some guiding principles. Our first principle really looks at how are we recognizing the person within the context of their family and their community. And what's important about that is not all people with developmental disabilities have been a part of their families or their communities. 
But we also recognize our second principle is, is really recognizing that people need information and, and support to do that. They need social-emotional support as well as goods and services. As we start looking at the developmental disability field historically, we've really, really gotten better about connecting people to services. However, that's become our main focus without thinking about other, the other areas of need. The other, the other principle that is really important in driving that is, is how do we push ourselves to think beyond health and safety as the only primary focus when we're thinking about people with developmental disabilities? How are we, how are we driving and thinking about all the other sort of quality of life domains? where they live, how they get around, what jobs they have, what are their social and spiritual needs, how are we supporting their advocacy and their, and their rights to be civically engaged in their community, as well as health and safety. So we utilize these life domains to really help us dig in and problem solve and plan and think differently about that. We also have um, one of our key principles is around the trajectory and really thinking about how we're helping people to look for the future understanding kind of where they were in the past and where they're heading and where they want to go. But more importantly, we need to understand what people don't want. A lot of times people make the assumption about people with disabilities and what they do want. But oftentimes we find more information by really digging in to help me understand what you don't want because sometimes the vision for the future is really cloudy and unclear for people. We do this also by really not only looking at formal paid services, but how are we helping people engage in life experiences? If we're wanting people to have a meaningful quality of life, then how are we engaging in um, the experiences that bring to that? And so thinking about the trajectory offers that for us. When we really start problem solving, though, we really want to help people start thinking beyond just paid services. So we utilize these five points of the star when we're talking to people about integrated supports. We want people to realize that paid disability services down on that green part around eligibility specific are really important to supporting a person's life, but they're not the only things that we should count on, or are they things that people always have access to? There are waiting lists across the country. People might not be eligible. People might not want paid um, disability services. So how are we building their strengths and capacity? How are we accessing relationships, supports in the community anybody can get? But how are we utilizing day-to-day -day technology to, to, to get to the outcomes that we're looking for? The last principle is, is really reminding us that all of the work that we do in terms of any of our transformation needs to be driven by the, the target population. So what do people with disabilities want for their own lives? What do they want for the policies and practice changes? And so those principles really drive the work that we do. We have some basic sets of tools, and what this slide is pointing out to you is that we both have tools designed for working directly with the person, but more importantly, or in addition to that, we also have these slides working with families. And what's important about both our tools working with families, what's important about both of these is that we really value the voice of all of the, pe all of the people that are coming to the table. Um, how do we value the voice of the person that may or may not have the ability to always advocate or communicate? But how do we also make sure that their voice is being heard in addition to, their, to the family's voice? And how are those being used collectively? Um, this is a one-page profile. And these one-page profiles are being used internationally. These, um, the Try the Life Course framework utilizes what I always call some of the great work across the country. 
So the learning community, Helen Sanderson, Michael Small, John O'Brien, many of these are greats around person-centered planning. And the one-page profile has been used as a way to really help a person kind of explore and articulate what's important to them, whether they're getting ready to go to a doctor's appointment, whether they're planning for their next annual long-term, you know, person-centered planning meeting, or maybe they're trying to articulate to their family or staff what they really want. This one-page document that's broken into two parts on the slide is a way for a person to collect that information and articulate that and serve as really quick passport for moving something on, moving information on. We utilize the trajectory, taking that concept around the, um, that, that, that principle, and we really articulate it in terms of a tool. And so we, we really help a person start on the right-hand side of saying, I can't really help you get connected to services, provide medical care to you, connect to the long-term supports unless they truly know what your vision for a good life is. And, it, it, and how do I know what that is? I know by asking you that question of what you want, but also what you don't want. And that, what I said, always becomes our sort of guiding star for supporting people. But what also is important is, is to understand, and this is our, um, our friend Ben, and understand his life experiences, having a quick glimpse at what, what really made Ben who he is. What are those life experiences in the past? that have both taken him where he wanted to go and kind of taken him away from where he wanted to go. But more importantly, the middle one is about what does he want to maintain right now? What does he want to build right now? And what is important to him right now? This is just an example of how we took the life domains and we sat with the family caregiver and the family and we tried to understand what's the vision you see for Ben's future and what do you think are some of the most important things in his life? So using this tool, we can really break down and hone in on that conversation. But more importantly, it provides a documentation for the larger team member who's, who supports Ben on a day-to-day -day basis or might support Ben in the future if something were to happen to his family. This slide is just a continuation of that same slide. So you see we break the life, life domains down. But this is where we really start digging in and problem solving with Ben. This is um, when we first started problem solving with Ben. If you see here, what we did was we mapped what Ben's current resources are. Ben is somebody that requires 24-hour support for both his physical and his, um, his health and his cognitive support needs. And so if you see that star and you take that star and you put it over into what a typical week looks like, what you see here is, is that most of his supports came from a 40-hour-a-week capped Medicaid waiver, as well as from mom and dad. What we start recognizing here is, one, this isn't a really full life for a 21-year-old, but two, what, what happens if we need more services and we're on, in a capped waiver, or what happens to mom and dad, if, or if something happens to mom and dad? As you can see here, we utilize the slide working, um, working over a couple-year period to really start identifying what I always say, adding, um, adding more resources to each part of the star. I, I, when I'm working with a self-advocate or a family, I'm always talking about we don't want to put any of our eggs in one basket, and there might be some baskets you don't have access to or we need to figure out how to get you access to. So working with Ben and his family, we identified what are strengths that we can start building for him, light blue, what's technology that we can start utilizing either in the home or having him start accessing, what are things in the community that he can go to without having paid staff. Who are other people in his life that we can start engaging in conversations with and start um, having them spend time with Ben and support Ben? But also, what are the paid services that we can leverage? So it's not about any one part of the star, but about leveraging and accessing all parts of that star so we can think more holistically about providing integrated support.
We take both the framework, the sets of tools, the way of thinking, and what we've been doing is working across the country, working with people within the developmental disability, eligibility-specific supports world, special education, the long-term service system, providers, and, and we've been saying this is how this framework can really help you enhance what you do. But more importantly, we recognize we also need to be working with the community, employers, um, 911, EMTs, um, people in society recognize that people with disabilities have a right and a place in their communities. But we also know that our public-private partnerships are key to this. How are we working with managed care organizations, family organizations, aging, area agencies on aging, and all of these different sort of organizations to kind of utilize this framework to really create good lives for all people um, with or without a disability. Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes a full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated and coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about the current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.